0: This week on The Business of Lifting Weights, we go through 10 things to focus on that will get you to 300 members.
1: What's up, guys? This is Brian Pritz. And this is Dave Thomas. We are owners of Performance 360 here again for episode 32 of The Business of Lifting Weights. And today we are going to talk about how to get your gym to 300 members. Um, I know one of the things in gyms that we coach and gyms that we work with, everybody kind of wants the magic answer to get to our current level of membership, which is 630, I believe, last I
0: checked. 630, yeah. Yeah, 630. Actually, 631 of this morning. 631.
1: 631. So, and it, you know. I kind of thought back as I was making notes for this episode of what got us to 300 members. We reached that in our 25th month and what got us to kind of zero to 300 and then 300 to 600. And I think it's a completely different list. The way that I kind of look at it is like your gym's culture and DNA never changes throughout your life cycle, but micro strategies on how to grow, certainly adapt and evolve based on the gym needs and based on total membership.
0: Yeah. We talk a lot about over the last two, maybe two and a half years, what we've done has been very different from the first, you know, three or four years that we were in business. Um, and I kind of use that as our as our blueprint moving forward, if you will. Like we had everything locked in <clears throat> over those last two and a half years. Um, and that's a lot of the stuff that we teach. And that's through... A lot of failures along the way, you know?
1: Absolutely. And I know, like, if you're in that zero to 300 range, you're obviously trying to grow. It could be for a number of reasons. You could be a brand new gym, which means you're trying to get market share, you're Mm -hmm. trying to build awareness. It could be you're not a new gym and maybe you're just struggling uh, for a variety of reasons. And if that's the case, these strategies are applicable for either scenario. Um, it really doesn't matter how long you've been in business. A lack of membership just means a lack of market share. And at some point, you have to get aggressive with how you're going to try to get market share and also making sure that keeping members remains the focus as well. So acquisition and also retention.
0: yeah, a lot of you know, a lot of the people that we talk to are hesitant to adopt strategies from another gym or another group of people because they're not there with them in the gym and they don't see exactly how their gym operates I totally get that you never want to just steal somebody else's model or steal somebody else's um, way of doing things but that doesn't mean that you can't learn and apply certain strategies that are universal to uh, all people in a way to motivate people into in a way to get people to join and sign up you know I see a lot of hesitancy um, just because it's somebody else's stuff. Um, and I think that that's a, a big kind of failure to not adopt some things because it's from somebody else. Like yeah. we've, we've learned a lot from a lot of other people throughout our years. But
1: yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's it's... I would never tell a gym to do things exactly like we do. We came up with those things. It's it's part of our thought process. So to try to adapt things that aren't part of your thought process will never work. However, all these things are templated and these are very generic recommendations that somebody who's savvy enough can easily just take and say, okay, how can I fit this into my model, into my beliefs and whatnot? Yeah, And that's an easy thing to coach with gym owners. It just takes that – awareness of, okay, I can take this and implement what I'm doing. It just might be slightly tweaked so that it represents me a little bit better. Yeah. So we'll go down a list of 10 things here today. um, Zero to 300 members. And looking back, things that got us to 300 members in 25 months, first and foremost, throw your hourly wage completely out the door. What do you mean by that? And I think that one of the biggest mistakes that people make permanently, but also when they start out is, you know, you place us a a set value on what your time is worth, what your membership is, all that stuff, because you want, you know, you believe in what you're doing and you want to get paid for it. That's Mm -hmm. a completely normal thought. But (laughs) I was going back and I calculated how much we made per hour in our first year. Mm -hmm. And it came out to about $6 and 20 cents per hour. Wow! And let's just get that out of the way. If you're not willing to work for that to build something, then sell your business or close it. You know, if you need your exact hourly based on every single thing that you do and you look at the work that you do through how much you're getting paid for it, Mm -hmm. then you're never going to be successful right? ever. And, you know, think back to just all the shit that we did when we were first opening. We, you know, we were not not even first opening. Like I want to say, you know, pretty much still now, but especially even through those first few years, you know, Mm -hmm. we were there. Doors open at 6, we left doors closed at 8. And yep. anything within that 14-hour period was just completely fair game. Yep, for sure. Um, you know, I just like from coaching classes to, you know, to this date, I've never I've, I've never been paid for coaching classes. And it's like I've never viewed it in that light to where, okay, I'm moving into this role, so I need to be paid on top of what else that I'm doing. And I think that's a microcosm of just how to look at the work that you do and the productivity that you put forth and the value that you bring to the gym.
0: And I understand, you know, a lot of gym owners were former personal trainers. And so you, those personal trainers set an hourly uh, pay, you know, you get 60 bucks an hour or whatever that is. So then when you transition to gym owner, you kind of expect your hourly amount to be worth that. And so I understand where you come from, where you're like, Oh, I'm not going to do something if it's not going to generate this much money. Mm-hmm. But that, comes around at the end instead of you know six six dollars an hour when we started um, you know now every hour that you coach you know you coach a few times a week mm-hmm. uh, you're, it's not like you're just making you know x amount per hour it's compounded over everything that is generated through the business right and I just think if you're constantly looking at how much you're
1: getting paid for everything that you do you'll start to limit things that you do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as nothing is off limits, in my opinion, for somebody who owns and coaches at a gym forever, but also especially when you're trying to build something and you're trying to grow and add people to the gym.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, So I know one of the things that we kind of also see across gyms that we coach and talk to is people kind of drifting out of their lane Mm -hmm. um, as they start. And, you know, talk a little bit about just, sticking to your core competency and how important that is um, to develop within your first few years as that as that second point.
0: Yeah, you know, I understand a lot of people, when they get started, they want to do as much as they can. They want to offer a little bit of everything so they can hit a large portion of the market. Um, and while that may hit a large portion of the market, you're not going to be able to do all that stuff well. Um, so the best thing to do is just do less. We talk about that a lot, narrow down your focus, pick one or two things that you want to do really, really well and be the best at that. Mm-hmm. Um, I look back to when we started, did we only have one class Absolutely. when we started Absolutely. We had a single class? We didn't
1: add specialty classes. I think until around like might've been around 300 members yeah. to be honest with you. We had the power hour. Oh, that's right. Um, but that was not a promoted thing. That was even at like seven o'clock at night. We right. did not offer daily specialty classes until we got past about three hundred members. Yeah.
0: So we offered one class, our daily challenge class, which was a combination of strength and conditioning, which had a lot of variety in it. But it was very direct strength and conditioning. You know, you've got strength movements, you've got conditioning aspect. Um, that is what we were going to be good at, and we did that for, like you said, um, a few years until we got about three hundred members, and then once we had gotten there then we started to expand and once you can um you know expand from there and you already have a huge membership base then you can start to gain more market share in some other areas you know some power lifting stuff some uh, more dedicated olympic lifting the shred classes and stuff like that that all came much later in the game um, because we were able to be hyper focused and do our one class really, really well. Yeah, I mean, you want to think about it like
1: <clears throat> galvanizing people and not polarizing them. If, ever, if you offer a million different things for, you know, let's say, for example, you're a gym, and you have 100 members, and you're offering five different kinds of classes, let's yep. just say, on average, of those 100 divided by five, you get 20 people that are into each one of those five classes. That's small little subsets of your gym of 100 people, yep. you're, you're not big enough to create that galvanized community of everybody rallying around one thing because everybody's in there doing their own different things. Yep. In turn, the message to the local community is going to be one that's totally scattered. One totally person scattered, might be yeah. there for like you know, a boot camp style class while maybe somebody's there to train for Olympic weightlifting. And so you get the local community around you that's like, "Wait a minute, these are two totally different things. Yep. Like what what am I what am I looking at here? What am I going in there to try?" And then you just become this confusing mess and then nobody tries or commits to things that are confusing. You know, Apple sets the standard with that. They were the iPhone. Like yeah. The iPhone and the Mac, that's yep. it. And like now they're doing their thing with the watch and all that other stuff. But, you know, that, that is the, you know, the business standard example of hyper-focused, do, do less, do it very well. And that way your message to your local community, it cannot get cluttered. There can't be multiple messages. It's all just this one thing.
0: Yeah, so. I, I, you know, you always bring up the restaurant example. Like if you think about going to a restaurant, you're never like, I'm going to go to the place that says Euros, cheeseburgers, salads, yeah. wraps, pizza. Like every restaurant in PB. Yeah, right? You know, you're not <laughs> going to go to that restaurant that lists everything because you probably think they're going to be, you know, average food. But if you're like, I want a cheeseburger, I'm going to go to the best cheeseburger place in town you know that's where you're going to go that's what you're yeah, going to choose
1: exactly so and i totally get it you know everybody they 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 want to try to to please lots of people so they offer lots of things mm-hmm. but trim the fat offer the offer just the best cut that you can possibly offer and let the people come in who are going to come in for that and you'd be very surprised that Less does produce more because yeah. that message is very clear, digestible, and the market understands it.
0: Yep, absolutely. Um, another thing that we kind of list under core competency is, you know, possessing a recognizable look and feel. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I'll use social media as an example because that's the number one way that successful places market these days, and it it's free. But you know, if you go the social media is just a representation of what goes on within the place of business, the culture and the community and every single thing that you post and i'm not just talking about like colors and images but it should all be rallied around a certain thing, you know, if you're posting about nutrition in one post and then, you know, this this other class that you have and then another class and then it's like, you know, everything is so scattered again, that's fine once you get to a large amount of membership because you have to maintain appeals to the different types of demographics that are there. But when you're starting out, again, if you're constantly blasting all these different messages, then you're just going to appear confusing. And you want to just get that laser-like focus. This is what we do. This is how we do it. This is how it's going to benefit you.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you, you mentioned that recognizable look and feel on social media, but not only does that show up in social media, but that carries over into our website. Mm -hmm. So if you look at both our website and social media – the same look and feel is there. And yeah, there's obviously different elements and different goals for both, but that look and feel is the exact same. So people know, um, you know, when they're on our social media profile or on our website, they get not only that we're just a local business, but we're a brand and we stand for something and there's something that people can get behind that I think is very important and most people are lacking.
1: Agreed, 100%. It's all about just that clear messaging so that people can understand what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so moving on to the third point, you know, community events, community, um, it's big for us now, but it's much smaller because we've gotten so much bigger, but talk a little bit about just those events and kind of how important they were to galvanize the community were in our first couple of years.
0: You love the word galvanize today. Yeah. It's
1: it's a great (laughs) word.
0: (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a simple concept. You put people together, you put like-minded people together, they're going to, you know, make friends with other people in the gym and then you see them in class and you know that general sense of community just grows stronger and then people start bringing other people to these events and you know most gyms appear to be very um intimidating on, on the surface so you'll see a lot of people bring friends to community events and they'll be like wow these are normal cool people um, Great point. Great point. which is just going to be the first step of getting them to eventually try that gym i think we've we figured this out a long time ago that like the average person takes six months from finding out about the gym before they actually come in and try a class. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those community events are not only huge for your current members to bring them together, show them that you care, just get them all, um, you know, to know each other so that that in gym camaraderie is very good, but also the friends of the members can get a glimpse into what type of people you have there. You know, every, every gym boasts, you know, they have the best community in town. And I honestly, like, I wouldn't dispute that. I think every gym has a great community of their type of people if you're doing this stuff right. Um, And so you need to really showcase that and let people know that this is, you know, a similar type of group of people um, for those people that are showing up to these events.
1: Yeah. And like, Don't do boring events like that. That's another thing (laughs) is I I talk to my friends who go to various CrossFit gyms around the country and I'm like, you know, do you ever go to any of the events? And none of them ever do because it's just like something lame. Like it's, you know, don't take yourself too seriously. Like our demographic is PB. When we opened, the average person was like 25 to 28. We fucking partied at our events and we understood that people, they don't want to take fitness too seriously. That's not to say they're not working hard and producing some amazing results, but the average person they want to go out and they want to have fun, they want to be social, they want to meet people, they want to make friends. So why not turn your business into something that can really, really do that? Yeah. And you know that that you know our demographic skewed our events to be very younger oriented. Um, whatever your demographic, whatever town you're in, figure out something that people that age like to do. That they would you know what what would you like to do? and put that together like what would be fun for you and then go put that together or ask people what they want to do what they do for fun put together gym events based around that but um, that's just such an easy way to get people even more immersed in your culture is doing stuff outside of the gym to support those relationships inside of the gym
0: and and I understand like your gym you're promoting healthy living um, but people drink alcohol yeah like that's just the fact people drink alcohol so um, if you have events that don't include alcohol and like, you don't have to have every event be a rager like we did when we started. (laughs) Um, but you know, allow people to drink alcohol. It's, they do that anyway. So they're not probably not going to come to your event if you are so over the top healthy that you can't allow people to enjoy themselves. Agreed. Um, so moving on, recognition is huge in my opinion. This is like one of the most important things. So talk a little bit about the recognition, what that means to people, how we do it and all that stuff.
1: Well, it's just basic human need, right? So every single person, regardless of what you're doing, it's studies have proven this being recognized for your efforts is more of a motivating factor than pay in a lot of instances. Yeah. So you, you, you know, extrapolate that down to just effort in the gym and basically, re- you know, basic recognition for somebody who, hit, who hits a PR, somebody loses weight, somebody works hard in the class. You know, there's so many different ways. We're, we're all so lucky to be in an industry that's physical where you can so easily recognize effort. You know, think about other industries where, like, you might not be able to right. do that. Like, it's it, – it's, you can see visible effort, so recognize it wherever you can. For us, clubs have been a major part of what we've done. We have five different clubs now based on different achievements, and we recognize the hell out of that when mm-hmm. people hit them. Um, we have our CAPE award, which I'm pumped is finally back. You know, we had that for the first few years where it's like somebody does great, and we give the coaches a different turn every other week. They give a shout out to a member, and they put a literal cape on them in front of the class. Yep. And then that person works out in the gym with a cape on. Which is amazing. And it's like stuff like that, being able to recognize, giving people the opportunity to be showcased and have their efforts bragged about by somebody other than them. Yeah. And that's what your gym is, is kind of there for. So if the only thing that you tangibly quantify effort is what time did you get or what weight did you lift? Yep. Then, yeah, you might hit a certain amount of people, but... Um. Always remember that your gym is built on the average person, not the advanced athlete. Right. So figure out ways to recognize and promote the average athlete.
0: Yeah. Um, were you about to say something? No. Oh. So one of the other things that we do is um, in our you know we have an email list of all of our members. We give out monthly um, kind of rundowns of what's going on. Um, and one of the things that you do is ask coaches to just shout out a member mm-hmm. um, and just say something about what you've noticed about them and how well they're doing. So I just tried to find the email, but I couldn't find it. But, um, you know, I, I, gave a shout out to a guy who I see working his ass off every day, just kind of an unassuming guy. Doesn't look for recognition that much or anything like that. And so, um, I sent that over to you, you published it in the newsletter. Um, I get an email from him like two days later, you know, with a nice long email, just about like how much he appreciates that. And it was such like a simple little, thing that you can do but to him it made his day enough mm-hmm. to reach out and send an email saying thanks like i really appreciate that mm-hmm. and it's like a lot of little things like that can hit a lot of different people around the gym and just make them feel very appreciated yeah
1: yeah i mean that's what we're all there for like we're, you know if if you claim to be a community and you claim to have an awesome community then, then make everything about the community and recognize as many people as you can yeah uh so point number five consistency being consistent Um, that's one that I'm a big believer in. And especially when you start out, it's very difficult because you can, you, you tend to be kind of reactive to different things. But I think having a consistent experience in the gym and a steady experience that isn't constantly changing is such an important aspect to establishing yourself and to keeping that membership growth linear.
0: Yeah, I know, you know, a lot of the gyms that I follow and I just kind of keep an eye on, it's like. They are just scattered, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just like you don't know who they are or what they stand for if you're just always doing this, always doing that. Um, and it's, it's, to be honest, it's hard to get behind somebody like that. You like, you think about all the, the successful companies out there and they all stand for something. They all have their own niche that they are just very straightforward and that's what they do and people know it. It's like, that's how you develop a following. So um, whatever that is, you know, figure that out. And go 100% hardcore all in with whatever that is.
1: Yeah, like the amount of people who listen to the podcast, follow the gym, who say to us, I feel like I go to your gym even though I'm 2,000 miles away. Yep, That is the experience that you want to create. You want that to be so like palpable for people that they can see exactly what goes on. There's transparency And people feel immersed in what's going on just by being a casual observer. And like you just said, if you're constantly all over the place, if you're constantly changing things, changing class times, changing classes, changing workouts, changing coaches, changing everything, Mm -hmm. then there's no consistency. And it goes back to that clarity of message and clarity of experience. You want people to know exactly what they're in for every time they come.
0: We We had somebody that joined relatively recently that came over from one of our competitors that was like, I just like... I, they, they were changing everything, um, all the time. It was just like, I didn't, I couldn't get behind what they were doing because it was just constantly changing. And that was enough to have that person leave that gym and come to our gym. So that is very important, obviously.
1: Yep. Um, and like I said, it can be difficult because you have people in your ear as you start out, you're there every day, you're hands on with every single person, so they develop a level of comfort to give you feedback. We'll stay away from that point because <laughs> I know we have it on here um, two two points down. But resisting that and being consistent is is just it's huge.
0: Yep. Um, so pricing flexibility is the next on the list. Um, there are obviously pros and cons with every single pricing option. Um, talk a little bit about your your opinion on that. Well. Um, I have a
1: hard time with this one, to be completely honest, because pricing is an easy way to get people's attention when you're starting out and you need people's attention. You mm-hmm. need them to try the gym you talk about all the time, make it easy to try and join your gym. You know, do less, get out of the way, let people join your gym. Yep. Pricing is an easy way to do that. However, there's a flip side to that coin and you get a lot of people that have the, the Groupon mentality who are there just for the price. They're not there for your culture, for your workouts, for anything other than that it is affordable to them. So they do it and you can have your culture watered down pretty quickly by doing that. So we were talking about this in the gym the other day about like, was our pricing strategy, did it really have an impact as we started or was that just a nice inclusion for people who joined the gym? And that's not an answer that we'll ever know. Right. Um, So I go back and forth on it and I, to be completely honest I I don't know that I have a hard stance on that. I think it depends on your market. I think it depends on how many members that you need. And it depends on the type of person that's coming in the door. I am of the opinion that I believe in your philosophy of make the gym easy to try and join. And part of that is a price that people can afford. Yeah, And I made the analogy the other day that It's much better to get four years of somebody at a lower price than it is to get six months of them at a premium price because you're so cool and you're so much fancier than every other gym, even though you're fucking not, that you're charging close to $200.
0: Yeah. Um, So
1: I err on the side of get yours to create the value and the perception that you need to of the quality that you offer. But it goes back to my first point, throw your hourly out the door. Understand that price is always going to be something that people shop on. Always. Always for everything. And you need to think about that accordingly. Yeah. I mean, you know, now that that's my answer, I'd kick that over to you as somebody who's who processed every single membership over the last six years when we were starting out, you know, how important was that in your opinion? What was the factor? You know, how much of a factor was that in getting us to 300 people?
0: Um, Well, first off, I'd like to say people push back on price more when we were lower, and when we had more discounts, and when we had more promotion type stuff. Yeah, it's like got, you give them an inch, they take a mile. <laughs> yeah, we, we got a lot more pushback on that. My stance on all that is whatever you charge, have the value that you deliver be more than that. Right. So, you know, whatever that is, if, if you're a low price model, just still make sure that you deliver more. If you're at the high end, make sure that you deliver more, a lot more than that price teams mm-hmm. um that is the way that you grow your gym is to deliver over deliver under charge right um but in terms of going back to like the first few years when we had some 50 percent off deals we had some lower prices and stuff like that um you know i i think it helped but i don't think it was necessary if you were to do that for another gym
1: that we opened do you think you would want to go with that strategy
0: so I would say to give people context, we had like six months at a time where we had a, you know fifty percent off. You know, new member comes in, fifty percent off for that person. If somebody referred that person, they got fifty percent off. So there's two fifty percent off, two fifty percent offs going um, to both member, current member and new member. Um, if I were to do it again, I would not have a long time period of doing that. I would use that very strategically and maybe once a year or once every 18 months, do a massive 50% off uh, limited time only sale um, in order to just jump start, jump kick that revenue and really boost it up and then immediately remove it and not bring it back for another year or whatnot.
1: Yeah. The interesting thing to me too, is you talk about at a lower price, you got more kickback. And I can also tell you that at a higher price, we have lower churn. Yeah. And it all goes back to just the quality of customer. You know, if you attract cheap people, you're going to attract cheap behavior. Yep. And if they're there because it costs 99 bucks, they're out the door. The second someone else offers them 89 bucks. Yep. So there's just no loyalty in those type of people. And I think anybody listening agrees that you don't want those type of people in the gym. And it's like now with our prices as high as they've ever been, our churn is, you know, four and a half percent. Whereas in our first few years, when we were, you know, kind of scattered with, with a little bit of those things. It was up like five and a half, five and a half percent. Yeah. So in 1% is a lot of money when it's you're talking about, you know, hundreds of members. So um, that's kind of, you know, my, my feedback on pricing and I try to make my opinions just data driven as opposed to emotionally driven. And to me, that's one that's like super impactful. Again, it's hard to assess is that churn lower because we're a better gym now because we do in my opinion, better programming. We have better coaches. We have better experience. There's just no way to know. Right. But people are not leaving because it costs more.
0: I mean, you would think that at a higher price, churn would be higher. So I, I think that that definitely has something to do with it. I think it's a little bit of everything. We're a better gym, um, but also we attract much better members now. I think it is a combination of that. Yeah.
1: And, and I guess, you know, gun to my head, my opinion would be price yourself if you're a gym that's struggling or you're a gym that's new, price yourself slightly below your competition and then just destroy them in what you bring to the table. Yeah. That's what we've done, and that's why we've been able to get to 630 members.
0: Yep. I would also like to add in real quick about the pricing flexibility. Don't give people so many options. Um, don't point. make it confusing. A lot of gyms you know, have all these different pricing options, different inclusions for each pricing option make it straight, make it simple, make it straightforward. Um, what's, what's the term where people don't make a decision because there's too many options. Uh,
1: paralysis through analysis.
0: Paralysis through analysis. So that is an actual thing. The more options you offer, the less conversion you're going to have on that.
1: Yep. I mean, you couldn't even pick a different color of a, of a Mac for like the first 10 years. Yeah. So, um,
0: moving on, I'm interested to You know, you put this down, find ways to say yes. Uh, I'm interested to hear what you mean by that.
1: Well, it's kind of like the point that I made with the consistency How when when you're first opening. So let's use us for an example. We were the only coaches, I I don't even remember the time period, for a while. Mm -hmm. And then even when we added coaches, we were still the dominant coaches on the schedule. And I would say that was the case for probably up until around 450 members was when, we no longer were the dominant coach on the schedule. So if you take a look at how long that takes, you know, that's a two, three year process. You develop a level of closeness with members of rapport with them. You're coaching them every day. You see them at these events we've talked about. So there's a level of comfort that people have in giving you suggestions and giving you feedback. Yep. It's real fucking easy to get caught up in every single thing people are saying, you know, have you ever thought about like maybe doing this or like, you know how about doing a little more of this or yeah. and it's so easy to be reactive and want to be a people pleaser and please everybody but then you have to take take a step back and say wait a minute this is working why am i taking feedback and fixing something that isn't broken
0: from one individual yes or even from
1: a bunch of individuals yeah. who are all saying something totally different yeah. if everybody's saying the same thing it might be time to listen right. up but people's individual preferences you cannot give into So as you're starting out, as you're trying to get to 300, consistency is king. But you can't just say no to every single thing that people suggest. Otherwise, they'll stop suggesting it and they'll stop feeling like they have that open communication. So one of the things that we used to do was we would have a suggestion board and people would write suggestions for the gym on it. And every single month in our newsletter, I would answer every single suggestion that was put down. So, you know, you guys should have a 10 a.m. class, you know. I would put that in the newsletter and so I would say, no. (laughs) And then here's why we're not doing a 10 a.m. class. We tried this a year ago and this didn't work, so we're not going to waste time and resources on it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Or if it was like, you know, hey, I think we need more 45 pound bumpers. I notice in deadlifts they get used up. Great point it's in the budget <clears throat> we'll get them within the next few months good suggestion yeah you know stuff like that so that you're giving people answers for it when they say no they understand okay that's right this is a business like they know what they're doing they're putting thought into these decisions so finding ways to say yes i think is important i think the yeses are going to be in the vast minority but when when you do have a yes promote promote that promote that suggestion and promote your response to that suggestion
0: yeah and i'd like to harp on that when you do have to say no to somebody explain why don't just no and leave it at that because then they're going to be like well what the fuck like i don't even get a an answer for it yeah like give them a reason why um ultimately they will realize that okay there is a good reason why they're not just you know being closed-minded about my request yeah super easy
1: And like that's a trend that carries on forever. Like even now to these days, like I'll have, you know, requests from in our staff or ideas from in the staff that I say no to quite a bit that we've Mm -hmm. done like long before that person was on the staff or that we don't for a very specific reason. And even within the staff, I apply that philosophy of like find ways to say yes, find suggestions to say yes to and to adapt because you need that collaboration, but it all goes back to like you need to be firm and consistent and clear with what your direction is and why you're not doing it as such um, and make it feel like people can still offer suggestions. It's hard to do, but if you're constantly saying yes to everything and taking every suggestion thrown your way, all the points that we're talking about will be completely lost and you'll lose that clarity of message.
0: And if you... If you do just say no and don't give reasons why and you close off that door of communication, you might miss out on a lot of good things that you could change or implement that other people have. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you and I are only two people. We see stuff a very certain way where somebody else might see a different perspective on something. And we've gotten a lot of really good ideas from our coaching staff over the years. Stuff,
1: oh, coaching staff? Yeah. Honey. Well, every, I mean, coaching
0: yeah. staff, members, um, you know, you get a lot of stuff that you wonder how this person – thought about this suggestion and you think negatively about that person for the rest of your life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you you look them square in the eye while you're talking to them and you're thinking you are an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you do get a lot, you know, there's stuff that we've implemented from coaches, from members um, that still are, you know, present in the gym today. So the minute that you close that off and you don't allow it, you limit yourself from growing and getting better. I, yeah, I think to a degree.
1: Oh, totally, totally agree. And I think there is a vast difference between suggestions that your staff makes versus suggestions that your members make. Yes. Um, You know, there have been a couple of good suggestions over the years that have come from members. There haven't been that many. I'm talking yeah. about like business changing ideas right. and, and operationally altering ideas for the better that like we hadn't already thought of. Yeah. And that's just being totally honest. Yeah. So it's, and that's the same for most gyms, I would imagine. And I think that that is why I put in here, find ways to say yes, because you're going to turn down so many suggestions for likely very valid reasons that you really have to hunt for the ones to say yes to and promote them when you do that. Yep. Um, So you always talk all the time, make it easy to try and join your gym. Just talk a little bit about what that means to you.
0: Well, I am a consumer. I like to purchase things. I like to (laughs) go on trips. I like to do stuff with the money that I make, that I work hard for. So I, being a business owner, also pay large attention to other businesses and how they operate. And one of the biggest things I see that drives me effing crazy is the difficulty in allowing people to... Use your product. Take in, your money. In, in this case, try the gym. Yeah. So if somebody is on your website want, interested in trying the gym, make it easy to do that. Um, I. What it, are some ways that you think people do that, like, are not easy? Um, they don't offer the registration of a free trial class on the website. Um, they make me do something like call – the gym or send an email to somebody that requires a response because when that person calls me back, I'm going to screen the phone call <laughs> and it's probably going to be at least a day later, which now I'm no longer like passionately interested in this. I've researched other options, um, and all that stuff. So, uh, number one, have a, the ability to register for a class online. Number two, make it so there's no extra step to do so. Um, and number 3 don't have membership options that are like a year commitment. You know, if I am going trying your gym and I like it, like I don't want to make a year commitment. Like I don't it maybe maybe if you want to offer some or a commitment. Or a commitment. Yeah, yeah like I, you know, I want to have the option to do something that's non-committal. Um and that doesn't say that you can't have a 12-month option that you know, maybe you throw a slight discount or some sort of incentive on it for locking yourself in for 12 months, but don't have that be the only option. Um, you know, you see a lot of gyms with just 12-month contracts. I've seen gyms with uh, 18-month contracts, and that's the only membership they offer. And it's like, who is going to commit to 18 months when you just tried a single class or, um, you know, some some offer a week, and that's still a better idea of giving people a chance to try it, but that's still like, you don't fully know until you're in there day in and day out for a couple months.
1: So what do you think is the, is the, are the main things people need to focus on, um, in order to make it easy to try the gym?
0: I think the, I, I mean, the, the simple thing is having the free trial class available to register for a specific class online. Um, and that's like the main one and only, if you were to do one change, that would be it. Because I know so many – like I was looking at
1: a gym the other day and their trial process was fill out this form. We'll get back to you. And then presumably in that email communication, a consultation is set up. Then that person goes in and they meet with the head coach to discuss goals. And then they like join and start the gym. So yeah, it was a four-part process.
0: I mean you're right there eliminating like 75% of the people that might join your gym.
1: Yeah, and he Just- – And guess what? Here's everyone's goal. Lose weight. Get stronger. Yep. You don't need to meet with these people to have a 30-minute discussion on what they're trying to do. You can easily get to know that once they're members, once that they're there and you're coaching them. Yep. Um, That's just, that's one I see a lot. And I don't know if that's like an industry best practice that a lot of, that, you know, consultants recommend. Like, I see that all the time. Like, schedule your initial consultation, come in and sit down and have a meeting and that just to me that like that just seems very inefficient. It seems like a time waste, a money waste, and then a step that I think most people don't want to do. No, I think what? that if you really want to have that option, you know, maybe have that in the drop down, like instead of selecting class, maybe like I'd rather come in and talk. Yeah. Then you know that that's what that person like really wants to do, and they don't see it as an inconvenience. But that is one thing I've learned. We've had literally thousands of people try and join the gym over the last six years, and People want to come in they want to experience it and they want to get going.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, that's the only way to get a good feel for the gym is to actually come and try it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, that, Sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say yeah. the number of people that have like asked about coming in to meet and discuss their goals or maybe like three.
1: And like, do those people join?
0: No. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, you know, and, and if they do join, then they're the, you know, the high maintenance yeah. uh, people that probably aren't the best fit. So,
1: yeah. And, I'm a big believer in your fitness experience is going to sell the gym and if you have to sell it through any other means, then I don't, I don't think that's necessarily a stable foundation for your business. Totally agree. Um, So points nine and 10 are setting expectations and delivering on them and also responding to emails within 24 hours. I think that's probably like a consolidated point of just being accountable and delivering on what people expect. So um, talk a little bit about those two and, you know, what what that means to you and why you think those are important.
0: Um, you know, setting expectations and delivering on those, that to me is something where, you know, everybody wants to think that they have this, like, incredible program and that theirs is the best and, you know, for whatever reason why. You cannot say that, for example, you can't go out and say, we've revolutionized the fitness world. You, this is something you've you know, you've never seen before and people coming in and it's like not that different. It's the same shit that everybody else does. So even if you do have a great gym and a great program by you just going out and shooting that message out, like we're this incredible new place that is going to change the fitness world. And then they come in and it's not that it can still be a great program, but that expectation is set so much higher than what you're delivering that that person isn't going to trust you anymore. So, um, you know, a, a good example that I, think of is we were just in louisville and we flew southwest and you know they boast about this great boarding process where you don't have to deal with i don't know some of the bs that you have to do with other airlines and it's that waiting in a b or c and then you've got the number and then you go and you board and you pick your seat as you get on the airplane and i was sitting there and i was like man this sucks (laughs) <laughs> like i i personally would rather have a middle seat than to go in there and not know what you know what to expect i might get a middle seat i might get an aisle seat so point being you know there's no if they had set my expectation right away and i knew what i was getting and i got it i'd be happy but the fact that there's no expectation set Um, there's like a little bit of confusion going in that kind of goes back to some of our other points. It's just a disaster for making somebody happy. Um, so that's kind of what I mean with, uh, setting expectations and delivering on those expectations, whatever that you say that you do, whatever you market on, whatever that consistent message is that you put out, make sure that you are able to provide that experience, whatever that is.
1: Yeah, and I think your point on like revolutionizing the fitness industry is such a good one because like think about think about what it is that you do, and what it is that you are, and yeah. what you actually provide people. Like our whole rallying cry and slogan is become more, and yeah. that's we keep it real simple. You know, we're not saying like I don't know like boost your squat a hundred pounds or you know anything that's outside of our lane of like what we do, and that's becoming more confident, becoming more. Just whatever that means, you become more. Yeah. And so, you know, within that framework, that can be interpreted a number of different ways. But for every person who's looking on the outside, looking in, they get what that likely means to them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you don't have to like scream. I think what what you are and what you do, as far as like trying to cut through the clutter with just louder noise. Yep. I I, I don't think that's the right approach. And I that's certainly one with like, you know, when people are like the best crossfit community or are like right. the best it's like have a real conversation with yourself like you're not you're yeah. one of many so yeah. how else are you going to be different and how else can you set expectations and over deliver on them
0: yep absolutely
1: um and then you know that the last point responding to emails within 24 hours a lot of these are kind of abstract thoughts that one is just a very like direct statement um so so talk about that for a second
0: it's obviously very simple just respond to people within 24 hours and that is current members that have membership questions or you know whatever just get back to them quickly uh new members that reach out and ask questions about the gym ask about a trial class ask about pricing get back within 24 hours that creates such a lasting first impression that like the, it, it blows my mind. Like I didn't, I would didn't think that that was that special. You know, I always just I wanted to make sure I got back to people quickly because I wanted it off my plate. Over time, I was like, oh my god, like this means a lot to people. Like you just reply within 24 hours, and they're like, wow, th- thanks so much for getting back to me. And then you start to see more businesses and like see other people not doing this, and then it becomes this bigger picture of like these people don't care. Whereas with us we get back in twenty four hours that like these people are on their shit, they care. You know, it's it's something that I know that I can trust them to do what they're supposed to do.
1: Right. It's not so much the act of responding to the email no. more than it is the representation of quality.
0: Yes, absolutely. Another example, as I said, I'm a purchaser and a <laughs> consumer, so we have a Roomba that doesn't work, it's the floor vacuum thing. I reached out to a repair shop because it's broken. Uh, cause our dog sheds a lot he's laying next to us right now. Um, so I reached out via email on their contact form, um, about fixing it. And I just looked at one place, sent a, send a message like 30 minutes later. Um, or excuse me, not 30 minutes later. Uh, three days later, I get a response from them and it's like, sorry for the delay. Um, if you want to, uh, schedule a repair, give us a call at the shop at blah, blah, blah.
1: So like no answer to your question, no Just answer take to my, another step to get take an answer.
0: another step and three days to respond. Yeah. So at that point, like I didn't <laughs> hear back from the next day. I started looking at other options. Like I found another place. I scheduled an appointment to bring it in. And it's like, even if they had, you know, given me an answer after three days, like I had already found another, another place to go to. So yeah, like, business lost.
1: <clears throat> and you got to understand too, is, you know, my interpretation of that is if somebody is, inquiring let's just say they're a prospect like they're ready to go like yes. they're ready to try you that so mindset. If you don't respond like we've never carried the philosophy that we're so special that we can drag our heels with responding that you know oh they've showed interest let's be appreciative of that and let's get them in here while they're excited about coming in
0: which is why the make it easy to try and join your gym is so <clears throat> important because when people are on your website browsing and they are interested in trying a class. Like you need to allow them to make that decision immediately, yeah. because once they leave, once they go do something else, life happens. Then you know they might not have the same level of interest. Mm-hmm. Good point. All right, should we do a little
1: summary here and close it out? Yeah, go for it. So, we gave you guys ten things, ten things focus on to go from zero to three hundred. First and foremost was throw your hourly out the door. Just focus on giving as much as possible. Second point was stay in your lane, stick to your core competency. Don't drift and try to do a million different things or you'll create an unclear message. Third point was frequent community events. Get people together, get them having fun. Fourth, recognition. Clubs, PRs, anything that is achievement-based and not just focused on highly athletic members. Number five, consistent, be steady, and predictable. Number six, pricing flexibility. It's going to be market dependent, but figure out where you can get in the door with people and be a little bit more flexible with your approach as you're trying to grow your business. Number seven, find ways to say yes. It's going to be very easy to say no to most suggestions, but the small yeses are critical and you need to promote them. Number eight, make it easy to try and join your gym. Don't have a three or four part process. Number nine, set set expectations and deliver on them. So, be what you say you're going to be. And then number 10, respond to emails within 24 hours because that is a microcosm of quality that so many people fail to deliver upon. So if you guys have questions on this stuff, if you need more help with it, this is what we do. Uh, We are happy to exchange emails with you. We offer coaching services. So we do encourage you to reach out if you feel like you need a little bit more help on this stuff. Um, Otherwise, I think, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. Got anything else?
0: No, I mean, uh, you know, definitely reach out. We, we've taken a look at a lot of businesses from just like a quick snapshot perspective, and you can immediately um, identify flaws and things that they can get better at like really easily. So, um, you know, definitely reach out, and we would love to work with you.
1: Okay. Thanks, guys.